Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Season 2, Episode 31. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. And Alex uh, Patakis, our producer, back on the dials. How's it going, Alex? It's going well. How are you guys? Oh, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Well, we're midway through an international break, so what better time for a special episode, Paul? And it's special in the fact that it's a cross pollination. You, you love these puns. with the og podcast for wolves fans as we're joined by rich and stew from wolves fancast back in england how you guys doing i'm just waiting to see if he went first and since he's pull rank on me i was gonna say i I always fear when we're doing a podcast if i i don't know what's worse if two people talk over the top of each other or no one talks at all. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'll let Stu talk because he usually talks first out to us anyway. <laughs> but we're good. Apart from apart from being no Wolves game this weekend, which I've sort of missed more than I think. I've, it didn't help that Wolves we played on a Friday night. I don't think. Yeah, it mm-hmm. seems longer. Yeah. So it feels longer. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm missing it a bit more than more than I usually do, to be honest. I think because England played friendly as well. Yeah. Well. Let's uh, start from the beginning with you guys. Let's go all the way back. Tell us when and why you started the fan cast and what's some of the best memories you guys have. Well, it, I was going to say it wasn't started by Neil Stewart. It was started by um, the, the pod father himself, David Evans, um, who won't like me calling that if he listens. Um, <laughs> but essentially, um, Dave, Dave started it around the time we were in the Premier League under McCarthy. And it essentially started as part of a university project, part of just wanting to talk about Wolves with his mates, essentially. And it carried on not particularly strongly through those last couple of years. In, well, the, yeah, the last year and a half, I think it was, um, under McCarthy in the Premiership. And then going into the Championship when... It was just dire the entire year and really toxic around Wolverhampton. But then I think something that happened at Wolves when we were in League One is they managed to get a lot more community support. And it it was very, a lot more fan-driven that season in terms of the connection between um, the club and the fans. And then the podcast kind of grew out of that, really, that we're only really ones doing it. We're having a laugh. We're finding the fun stuff about being in League One. And it sort of just snowballed from there. We got promoted and I just kept ticking along. I think I joined the year uh, we got promoted under Jacket. I think, Stu, you joined Fancast that year as well. We've both done writing for the Fancast as well uh, previously. And, yeah, it sort of just, I guess, snowballed from there, really, in terms of, you know what what wolves have been doing i'd like to say we've you know we have replicated and mirrored their ascension um to the to the highest ranks of podcasting but um yeah it's still it's still nice to keep going it's still something that you know we, we still do enjoy doing week in week out win lose or draw i think the, the 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 biggest point is that when i joined i had hair like neves has now and now I'm, well, I was completely bald, and that's what we'll do to you. But yeah, I, I like Rich said, I joined as a writer for I was I was writing away match blogs because I was one of the there was a few of us who went home and away religiously, and I was 
I'd had a bit of stuff with the BBC in the past when I was at uni. So I said, OK, I'll write some blogs for you. So ended up just t- taking mental notes and then writing it down in the car on the couch on the way home. I'm just being self-conscious there that this is an American podcast and I have to talk slower than normal. <laughs> so <laughs> Stuart, Stuart, it's just, fine. Just shut about, me up <laughs> just if, if it already, gets too much. Stuart, it's fine. I already talked about pre-recording when I said me and you are chalk and cheese. As you can tell, I very much don't have a Wolverhampton accent. Yes. Whereas you very much do. I'll go to my international voice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then Dave just asked me on if I wanted to come on and just do a podcast the one night. And I went, well, OK, no problem. And I kind of just st- stuck around like a bad smell and never went away. Um, and like you said, there was, there was only us for years until really. It was for probably, you. Um, it was under, It was like the first year under Fosun slash yeah. Nuno. And then like all, I think at that point, the Express and Star started one. Um, they started it, yeah, uh, the first year under Fosun, um, sort of that jan- around the January time, I think. Uh, and we were like, oh, okay, quite a big player in the, in the region, the, the biggest regional um, paper doing a podcast. And it's like, oh, we're the only ones. And then quite a few since then have either kicked off a YouTube channel or started a podcast and, you know, I'm very much of you that, like, look, I love talking about wolves. We all do. So, you know, but frankly, the more the merry if you if you enjoy talking about it and you want to uh, stick a recording of yourself on there for, for people, other people to listen to. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy how many there, there are now, both both in the UK and in Wolverhampton as well, now across the world as well, which it blows my tiny mind a little bit. But how many of them do you listen to apart from Asda, Rich? So what's coming up next, guys? <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was the answer. See, whereas me, I've been a loyal follower from day one, as you all know. Oh. <laughs> we appreciate that, Stu. Richard will see the light. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so what's some of the you guys' favorite memories doing uh, the podcast? I'll start with you, Stu. I think we did an interview with um, Jack Price. I think that was that was a yeah. good one for me. I, I was... It's a, a kind of like my one-man crusade to educate everyone that Trincao is going to be amazing this season and with Paul as well for you guys, <laughs> um, that Jack Price was very kind of chalk and cheese. He wasn't appreciated at all without certain sections of our fan base, mainly the older ones. And when they didn't, the interviews had come up and because we've been nominated for a football blogging awards, it was, it was the best fan podcast that year, Rich. Yeah. Um, but I'd only been on for a few months, so I didn't go. I thought it's not really fair. I didn't win this. So I turned all the stuff down for a while. And then when we got a chance to meet him and interview him, and we went to the training ground and we were there for a good hour. And he was more than happy, answered everything we asked and more that didn't get included. Um, yeah, that, that was that was something special. And obviously now he's had a great career in the MLS. And he's, is he still captain now? I think he is. Yeah, um, he is, yeah. Yeah, so I think that was that was standout for me just for what it meant at the time, really. What about you? Um, interestingly, mine was an interview with Jack Price, but it was the second one we did with him. So we we, have, we were really fortunate pretty much up until we got promoted to a Premier League. The club consistently like gave us an interview a year, um, because we were the only ones out there doing doing what we were doing. And you know what, it didn't really harm anyone in League One, but we did. I, we did one with Bjorn Sigurdarsson um, initially. I, I think we did one with Jody Craddock the year before, but I remember particularly doing that one. And then we did Scott Goldborn and 
We did one with Richard Stearman, which I didn't go to. But what I'd say is how amazingly normal <laughs> the Wolves players in particular are. So, like, we gave Richard Stearman, like, a fancast player of the year award. Um, like, side of a pitch before the game, they literally said, like, he's coming out, he can stand on the side, give him a shirt, have a photo, and piss off. And, like, you go, the media guy goes, this, come over here. And he sees us and he clocks us, and it's almost like he half recognizes us from, like, and he introduces and goes, hi, I'm, hi, I'm Steers. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> so that that was kind of weird. But Jack Price again, it, like that same day, because he was playing as well. He sort of saw us and gave us, you know, quick high five. No, and you're like, ah, oh, he knows who we are. That's really cool. <laughs> but for our 300th episode, we interviewed. It was, it was the last, basically, the last time we got to interview someone because it was the year we got promoted under Nuno, and it was just after we played Man City and lost. But we interviewed Jack Price. Harry Burgoyne and Connor Cody. And it was like on a Monday evening. I don't know how the club managed to get these three pro footballers to come in on like a Monday night. They came to Molyneux. We were sitting in a boardroom. It was me, Pricey and Dave Evans. And we, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we, we kind of, uh, whenever we've done interviews, like we'll kind of say, look, we're just going to keep it relaxed. It is very much like a jovial fun thing we want to do. And we start like giving Connor Cody this like pitch. And Jack Price goes, I've interviewed these guys before, it's cool, don't worry, it'll be sound. <laughs> nice. And like, I remember thinking, yeah, we need, like, <laughs> this is cool. And he, I think he's like, he's like he, he described it as, um, do you remember Wolves did that question tankered game? Like the YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel. He said, it's a bit like that, guys. And we just went, oh, great. And the interview was a laugh, it was amazing. Again, there are bits that we had to cut out because despite them being professional footballers, not actually that media trained it turns out <laughs> so they had um they had like um paul berry and josh powers who are the, the media guys at the time and like they're laughing but like something that had to get cut and i remember us all laughing and then just like looking up and just seeing paul just go no. <laughs> <laughs> like afterwards they all say their goodbyes and we're packing up the stuff and we go Thank, thank you so much for organising that point. He goes, yeah, do you know that bit with Harry Burgoyne? And he went, yeah, don't worry, we'll delete him in good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, I was, I was going to say, there is one other memory um, and I've, um, um, where Walter Zenger's assistant manager. Booty, Andrea Booty. Andrea Booty, who did nothing at Molyneux apart from stand in a dark trench coat next to Walter Zenger. Didn't have a job. That was his job, was to look dark and menacing like he was in the mob. That's all his job was, wasn't it, Stu? And was... we joked we joked about it. We found out he was a DJ in his spare time. It was great. We'd got word from Paul Berry um, that I, I think we tweeted him. No, we found him on Instagram, which is why we knew he was a DJ. And in very broken English, he was asking Paul Berry, was like, so what's this Wolves fan cast? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and like and Paul Blessing was like he, he, and he said I want to listen I want to hear what they're saying oh god like, try to work out like oh hang on was stupid on last week or something but actually he turns out he couldn't understand the word of it anyway so <laughs> yeah so yeah it's been a couple of fun little things like that along the way where they say you, you never know who, who listens like apparently Jeff She's got Twitter don't know his Twitter account but he's on here somewhere 
He's hungry like the wolf. That's who he is. <laughs> no, he can't be. He can't be. I will find that man, Stu. <laughs> now, Stu, you mentioned Trin Cow, so I'm starting to see now the plot develop for bromance with an option to buy, uh, where it's like got to be a love triangle here, right, Alex? So who would play you in the movie Bromance with an Option to Buy? I was I was so tempted to just Photoshop a picture of Jason Statham in the background <laughs> when he went out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. I'd like that. Maybe because then we could add some action to it, Paul. Exactly. I think we could add to this theme every week and a new character gets added. <laughs> to I think so. Or another player or something. So, yeah, good costume. I like it. I like it. So have you done it, guys, in the years of championship mediocrity? Or it sounded like you looked to have a bit of fun in the league one years, but obviously on the pitch was a lot of fun and, and doing different stadiums and everything. But going back to some of those bad years, relegations, even now, how do you pull yourself around and start to talk about the walls after a loss? Or You know what? I'm going to take this one because it might be controversial. Um, the worst season I had doing a podcast was the year we got promoted under Nuno. It was hard. It was hard. Because what was there to talk about when you win 2-0 every week? <laughs> like, it, it was like, there, there were times where it was like, I think we won like four games in a row or something silly. It's like, Bulls have won 2-0 again. Jota scored. Bontini scored. <laughs> Nevis is brilliant. And it's like... That, 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 in a way, becomes quite tricky to sustain a conversation. Whereas, genuinely now, uh, last season was a bit funny, but I think that lockdowns didn't help in terms of talking about walls and being able yeah. to digest it all and like the, probably the atmosphere around the club. Whereas, like, this year has been quite cool, I think, because we're doing well, but there's still bits to improve. And... Like you know, the, the Leeds game's a perfect example, and Stu did a great job on uh, on on that show recently, where we've gone two 0 up. We've been great for 50, 50 minutes or whatever it was, and then there was this you know catalyst of change in Jimenez, and then we had sixty minutes of no, sorry, thirty minutes of just absolute dredgeness. And like how you break that down, and how you you know what you choose to focus on, I think is really interesting. What narrative you can create and you know, we, we've we always been quite good in a way. Um, I'd like to think that even Stu, who's probably our most vocal, opinionated, yeah, outspoken, I'd say. Actually, I think we, we're quite good at having ba- fairly balanced views and being able to see the other side of the argument as well yeah. and not be so headstrong on it. And I think that's what's kind of guided us through a lot of it, that we've all got different opinions, like, me and Stu probably won't agree on quite a lot of stuff. Um, weirdly, a lot of our football opinions are the same, which is annoying now <laughs> I'm thinking of examples. But, you know, we, we, we all kind of, I guess, respect each other enough for, you know what, if we don't agree, we want to hear what each other have got to say and respect that little bit of space and be able to give it some back in a, in, in, in a correct form rather than just saying, you're wrong. It's about, you know, saying, well... Here's why I think my argument's right. And, you know, but no one's going to be right because it's not how it works, is it? But, yeah, I think that's how we, we've managed to sort of cope, I think. We started 
literally around Dave's kitchen table. So we we yeah. we were in person until all this nonsense happened. Yeah. So we we had the kind of threat of we could actually hit each other um, <laughs> across the table, which in some cases came very close. Uh, the, um, the John Bab years. <laughs> yeah, the John, me and Bab, um, Darren. <laughs> yeah, but again, me and John follow each other on Twitter. It's yeah. I think that's how we've always, me especially, I've always followed people and talked to people who I, don't, I know I don't agree with. So you get both sides of things. Mm. Just, it's boring otherwise. Um, so I think, yeah, other than the, winning, every, winning every week and being really bad, re, not even being so bad that we were losing, just being so mediocre because it was you, just bored. We were just bored, weren't we? Do you remember and, that last season under Jacket where we had like three nil nils in a row? That, again, tough. So, well, I was going to say that, that that was a memory as well. The um, do you guys watch the uh, Great British Baking Show? Is that what it's called over there? No, um, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the, the Mary Berry thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone someone stood up at Brentford because it was going really badly. And have you? T- I don't think you've talked about the concept of a happy clapper, have you? I think that's um, that's one that hasn't been a, an issue in America really. Someone who never sees the never sees anything bad happening whatsoever, yeah. um, and it was really boring. It was really really terrible. And someone someone got up and screamed at this woman, "We don't all live in a Mary Berry world," and stormed <laughs> off. And <laughs> obviously, if you haven't seen that show, and that was years ago now, but to get someone to be so wound up by this little old woman shouting <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> As someone who was really, really had a really, really poor game on the field, I thought, yeah, this is what Wolves does to you. This is how Wolves gets under your skin, and that was the highlight of the entire week's conversation on that podcast that week. Yeah, it, it was all we talked about. Happy clappers aren't uh, a thing out here, really. Except there was one coach who um, they called the happy clapper, who was with the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett. He'd always yes, that was yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Literally, he was. I'm trying to put a finger on how how you'd almost define it in a way because it's just people just don't turn against the current regime and like I think you get it in in, in major sports in America as well like the the amount of turnover you get in some of the coaches and things like things like that I mean I I I follow the Indianapolis Colts um, in American football which I appreciate I'm now saying that against AFC South rival, so hopefully we don't we don't acknowledge the Texans right now. So it's oh, quiet. good. good. <laughs> um, actually, like it's weird. So I get like little snapshots of it on social media, and it, it sort of does reflect a little bit of like in the UK, but nowhere near as extreme. Like we are, we have proper happy clappers here. So with all of that, you must, I, I suppose, put it in the context that a good number of our listeners they are newer fans having seen this iteration of the walls in the top flight do you have to pinch yourself sometimes that you're talking about this team with the likes of Neves FA Cup (laughs) semi-final going into the Europa League because I have to so how's Uh, it been like on the judging the success and where we've come from and where we are now well, I mean, I think you were probably still over here when the most exotic player we ever had was Steve Corica. And you go, you go from that in the 90s and you think, oh, I was really mad when we didn't sign Alan Nielsen on, from Spurs permanently. So then, I mean, obviously, apart from Bully, who you've had on the show, um, 
it's still dreamland. I mean, oh, that's why I listen to this show every week. And that's why as soon as I listen to the first few and I put it in the group chat, I said, lads, these Americans are choosing to watch Wolves and be Wolves fans. <laughs> they're choosing it. And they don't know what they're doing yet because they know <laughs> things will all go completely terribly wrong, as it always does. And it still hasn't. And it is the, the proper pinch yourself thing. I mean, if I was literally pinching myself, I'd have nothing left of me. I mean, even this. In having a scarf with Colorado walls on it is mental. <laughs> so tight, yeah, nice. Yeah. I think uh, that's, yeah, the, the globalisation of, of walls. Uh, we, we, we've had a few, like, friends and uh, other fan casts over the years when, we were, I guess, the first half of the 2010s, I guess, when we weren't great, who we just picked up walls almost randomly, um, like uh, Steve. Um, who I was going to call American Steve, which <laughs> doesn't really numb it down a bit, does it? But um, again, he literally just picked a team borderline at random and it ended up being Wolves and fell in love with it. But like that's like since like 2016 or whatever, that's not how people have picked Wolves. They've picked them because they're good. Yeah. Well, and, well, I picked them because I like the uniforms and the logos and Adama. That's so. a good enough reason. Like, I, I, I'm an again, American. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, it's uh, I I talk about this a lot in terms of why you end up supporting a club or whatever. And like for me and Stu, it it's because it's the nearest club to us. It is purely on geographical reasoning, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. For people have picked teams based on um, you know FIFA, that that's because that's how they're introduced to it. Genuinely. I follow the Indianapolis Colts for two reasons. Because I wanted to follow an American football team because I was enjoying it and I thought I need to invest in it. The reason why I went for the Colts, Parks and Rec, because they featured in there. And then the more, uh, and then I, I came across Andrew Luck, who was the nicest man in American football. Who's from Houston. Yes, yeah. And he spent some time in England as well. So it's all merged together on this show. But... Um, <laughs> And, and, but it's like, I've got no connection to Indianapolis. I've never been there. Chances are I probably never will, to be honest. But it genuinely, I, I will stay up until one in the morning watching a Colts game. And I, I like, how, how, how do I describe that? Because I've watched a, watched a very good TV show once. You know, and again, it, it just replicates talking like you guys who have gone, yeah, like you picked them because, you know, they've got an interesting uniform and one logo one thing about wolves and hey jeff she knows it our branding is a hundred percent we we are known by our nickname people know wolves are yeah and you know in the same way like our logo is the name of the club in a way but you say wolves our logo is the wolf it's like apple um as a branding consultant at modern you once told me um and actually, but from that, that's not why you support them now, is it? No, no. It's because you, you live and you live and die. Because Paul, it's because say, Paul's my best bud now, and he's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, but now, like, you live and die by. I was gonna say you live and die by Saturday at three p.m. But mm-hmm. well, nine a.m. Yeah. <laughs> work, work, work it out for. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you are you are right though, Rich. I mean, it's like me saying about the uniforms thing. I mean, that's why like, twenty years ago, I mean. 
that and Joe Namath. That's why I picked the Jets, and I've suffered ever since. Oh, but I'm I knew, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew full well <laughs> where I was getting into, and it, it was almost a case of you know, because the Jets had the obviously with Super Bowl three being a similar kind of period, time period when Wolves were good. I thought, oh, there's a correlation there. That that's enough for me, and then. Obviously, one got better and one didn't, and it was not the one that I thought. So. <laughs> Paul, do you know where Joe Namath played college? I don't know. Alabama. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's where uh, I grew up was in Alabama. So. Oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say life. Oh, look at that. <laughs> got some good quiz, quiz question answers going on already from this episode. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, like I, I genuinely, I'm a firm believer. I don't, I don't think it matters when you support a football club. I don't, I, I, we, we, you see it a lot, particularly at Wolves. It's like, oh well, if you didn't go to X game, <laughs> then you're not a real fan. And mm. it does. That's my head the Sorley one, right? That's, that's yeah. I learned that uh, last year that what the whole deal was with Chorley. I mean, when, when was Chorley? Do you eighty six, eighty seven? Was so born, yeah, 86. Yeah. yeah, I was born in 92. Now, Stu, Stu gets upset with me when I mention that. But, like, I, I literally cannot be... I, I was literally not around at that point. But, and you know, so for me, it doesn't matter whether you started supporting Wolves when you were five years old, because they were, team, you know favorite team news to you or you pick them up when you're 32 mm-hmm. and like because your passion for it might not come at a certain point and i think in england it's really hard to digest it chiefly because it is the national pastime it is the it is the cultural phenomenon in this country that you don't get people um like yourself josh who have picked up football in their adult life you either like you are either in the 80 percent who like football as a child or even 20 percent that don't that 20 percent don't after they go through school go oh actually i quite like this game now doesn't happen very very rarely i mean one yeah. of my one of my mates dean did actually do that he, huh. but that was only through me and me going to away games i mean that was like again silly little story when you talked about terrible places you've gone before paul like preston before they redeveloped the ground um, they put us in the grandstand, which was like, think of Fenway, but like more dilapidated. And it, it was terrible. It was a terrible old, I mean, it was probably 100 years old at the time. And we went at half time to get some food. And he went to get some food. And I, I said, I'll just get me a hot dog or whatever. Some of these terrible, like rubberized hot dog things. Then he came back and said, they've got no bread. What do you mean? They've got no bread. <laughs> they said we can have a sausage in a bag. <laughs> but is he that means serious? something else here in America, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the euphemism about lost to the sea, I can tell no. you. <laughs> and that's what he, I mean, this was his first away game experience, going to Preston up in the northwest of, north, yeah, northwest of England, getting a sausage in a bag from, from a, a bloke in the back of a shed. So, which again is, much worse for you, um, but yeah, it does. It, it does happen very, very rarely where you pick up as another pastime or a hobby later on in life. It's either like F1 with me. I mean, I've watched F1 for, for since I was about eight. I've never watched NASCAR. I've never watched IndyCar. I've never watched anything else. Watching it now, 
might I might have watched Talladega Nights years ago and got drawn in from that. But again, I didn't. So it's it's going to be very hard for us here to adopt something else, which is yeah. which is a bit weird. Why the whole NFL explosions happened? Because it's only been in the last twenty years or so. Yeah. Well, not even that. Probably the last ten years. I mean, my my thing in terms of enjoying other sports. So I'm, I'm, me and Stu, we like pretty much all sports, and I, I will watch anything. I think my sort of focus on whether it's football, it's elite sport, and I think if you watch enough of it, you can like appreciate that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, baseball gets a really bad rap over here. Yeah. For reasons I, I don't quite know. Probably for the same reason. Probably because like, it's so long, I would guess, compared but to we, we have we have a national game, Josh, that lasts five days. <laughs> That's the, the, true. It, it, and, and like and we go, oh well, it, it's complicated. I don't understand the rules or so I would learn them. Mm-hmm. And like it, it comes from football being like a really simple game. Don't get me wrong, but like just Take a step, like it happens every year for the Olympics, and everyone goes, Oh, I'm not going to watch any of that for the rest of the other four years. But, like, just appreciate, like, that these are people literally at the pinnacle of human physical um, prowess doing what they're doing. You know, I, I don't watch a lot of F1, but you can at least, I can at least appreciate. I will get round to watching Drive to Survive because that's that's what's caused a big boom in America. Yeah, we, we, we we were talking about it the other day, weren't we? I feel like I'm going off on a wild tangent because no, no, this more, is all really interesting. I'm far more fascinating. Say like the <laughs> yeah, the globalization. Anyway, the globalization of wolves and speaking of people who are wolves fans who aren't from wolves who don't worry, the pain will get to you at some point. Because <laughs> we we said like me and Paul chatting before the show about him going to Houston, basically on the slope of peak misery at Wolves from back basically through back to back relegations, and a lot of people will say, "Oh well, you're not a real Wolves fan until you've suffered that." But I always think it will come. It will come at some point. <laughs> now it might not be back to back relegations. It, you know, but something will happen, and it will. It, it just tests you. It will just test you. Where you go, you know what? I will get up at silly o'clock to go and watch this football game or whatever. And that's what's being fans all about, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I I talk to some of my college buddies, and I'm like, I never. If I could go back in time and tell college Josh, yeah, you're going to be waking up at you know six o'clock in the morning some days to watch a soccer game in England. From a <laughs> from a small town, I would be like, "You are out of your damn mind." There is no way. But uh, no, it, it's pretty funny. I don't even know if I've told you this story, Paul. Really, the big reason I started, well, I, I rooted for Team USA. Um, you know, kind of like the Olympic thing, and and so I started watching them through qualifying and stuff like that. But my daughter, who hates baseball, hates football. I took her to a Houston Dynamo game, and she loved it. It was like the coolest thing ever. She had a great time. We went the next week. We bought – then we it started growing. We bought partial season tickets, and that's actually why I bought FIFA. So me and her could play. Mm-hmm. We yeah. learned the rules by stopping and rewinding. So here she was, a, a nine-year-old that could explain the offside r- rule to people, and that's when I discovered Wolves. So it's, it's all – it's interesting yeah. how, like you said, you get to the mm-hmm. fandom. Genuinely, like the same thing happened uh, with me, NFL, and Madden. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my my cousin 
plays American football for Great Britain. Um, and I was chatting to him about it because he got... Yeah, my, my cousin's actually a really good... How has this actually. never come up? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cover it off on. Yeah, and he played like a season out in Germany a couple of years ago uh, for it. But anyway, yeah. Um, and I was talking... Because he got on the bandwagon quite early. Um, like, well, it must have been a decade plus ago because it was before we went to university when it was about 18, 17 or whatever and got really into it. And I only got into American football about three or four years ago. And I remember mentioning it to him and saying, oh, I'm enjoying it now. Like, I get it. I said, I get it. And I said, mm-hmm. like, I still don't understand all the rules. But I said, but you know what? I've been playing Madden. And he went, genuinely, it was crap back then. But that's how I got it as well. Mm-hmm. Because I was, you know, you, every time you get flagged for doing something, it's just a new learning thing. And I think, like, mm. it, it, it's weird because obviously me and Stu have grown up with football. And in theory, it's a really simple game. Like, you get the ball from one end to the other, you can't use your hands. That's all it is, isn't it? Two people can catch it, but just get the ball in that net. But you say, then you have things like the offside rule. And you go, oh, that's weird to as a concept to like conceptually understand you say but video games actually genuinely help with that and i think yeah. that's been what's probably caused the massive rise in um american football over here and soccer over there as well that's that's great yeah ea sports i think americans have a hard time with the offside rule because all of our sports are tailored for offense and here's something here's a rule that's really tailored to help the defense and so it's like I can't figure it out. <laughs> I think it does, yeah, and it 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 doesn't help that the, the offside rule it's not fit for purpose anymore. So if you've been watching football the last like five years, it, it it's not designed to like catch someone who's like half a yard offside. It was basically brought in, and again, it comes from playing like school football, like in the schoolyard. And Paul will know the phrase, Stu will know the phrase, but you didn't want never want to be a goal hanger. So that's someone who <laughs> literally stands by the goal who could just tap it in. That's and called that, cherry picking out here. A cherry cherry picking, yeah. And that's what offside's meant to stop, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's in, you know, when you compare it now, it's like, oh, here's an elbow offside. And it's just, I can't, I can't get my head around it. <laughs> Well, so let's start talking about the actual state of the club right now. Uh, we've been on break this week, but we aren't short of things to talk about, thanks to a couple interviews. One was from Jeff Shee and the other quite a lengthy one in the local Express and Star newspaper with director of football, Scott Sellers. Rich and Stu, how do you think both of those came across? Uh, it depends if you're talking about how it came across to normal people or Wolves Twitter. <laughs> Which is yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did it come across to you? We'll go for. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think there was anything new in there, and that we didn't know anyway, um, because I mean, the whole thing about the, the player recruitment thing was him just talking how we've had this system anyway. This is what Kevin Thelwell had with Nuno as well, and I think because it, it's come out now. I mean, look at the players that Nuno didn't want, so Danny Olmo and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he want, he pushed for Pedence, who, again, was on their radar. And Huang was on their radar and you know, said no to him. So this system's been there for a long time. I don't know why this has made such a big... I have no clue, other than people overreacting as usual, why that's gone so mental. Um, Is it just the sentence that he said, like, 
Um, yeah, it was the yeah, it, it was just a weird way of phrasing it, wasn't it? Where it's like, you know, Bruno Large wouldn't want, you know, I wouldn't sign anyone who Bruno Large would not want. Anyone of me, and yeah. It's like it's just a weird way of saying it. It's like maybe a little bit open, but I get what you're saying because it's done by committee. Like every mm. football, I was going to say every well in football club will do transfers by committee, won't they? Because they want to fit a certain, they want a certain player for a certain, you know, um, certain position or fit culturally within the within the club. Who's probably got a good fitness record, so you know you'll bring in those people. You'll bring in, you know, money people as well. It's like. Is that not something that happens apart from like Man United? I mean, God knows who sorts out their transfers. It, it, I think the problem is it's going from what we knew as our oh, good old old football men, like proper football men kind of logic, where you had a manager who did everything, he signed everything, he paid everyone on time in the like, 80s and 90s, to like a more general manager kind of NFL approach where it's structured and you've got people doing different roles. People don't like it and they don't like change and mm-hmm. they've done this on the continent I mean, let, let's get in their mind they've done it on the continent for a long time um the fact that they've done it in south america and europe is completely by the by just because we don't do it we don't do it in england means it's wrong but it's not it's just how modern football works and i think you're right richie it, it was probably how how it was worded and it, it kind of came off a little bit arrogant because he said, oh, never, it will never happen or whatever. But if he didn't like anyone, he wouldn't sign them. But we saw with Nuno, his, his race had been run for me 18 months before he was sacked. In that case, you're going to end up with a lot of Nuno players who no one else wants. Like, look at the absolute state of Man United, yeah. the absolute state of Everton, five managers worth of players there who, who don't work. Well. Don't, Spurs, oh, yeah. yeah, you can list them off. Sunderland ended up in League One for exactly the same reason. Managers on managers, six months, twelve month, eighteen month contracts with players who don't fit a certain system. You've got to have some kind of forward planning. A manager by recruitment by committee is just the way to go. I mean, we've got an identity, and like Bruno Large's evolution, there's an evolution rather than a revolution. We've seen that this season. So I did not understand why there was such a mad backlash. I mean, what did you when you read it, Josh? What did you think about that? Because for me, it was fine. Yeah, I think with a lot of people, because you mentioned NFL teams, um, I think they're just used to everybody having input. But then there's one guy that says, "Okay, it's ultimately my decision. So the fact that there's two guys that one of them can nix the other one. And I think there's still a lot of people that go back and they're mad about Ruben Diaz didn't get here or um, like you mentioned, Danny. Yeah. uh, Danny Olmo is a great uh, example as well as some of those where it's like, well, because somebody didn't speak up and say no overruled Nuno that we've missed out on some good players. I think what makes me skeptical or question some of the, uh, expressions that go into it is that we've got this this fan base and it probably talks a little that we are doing so well that it's just trying to find every little something <laughs> to pick apart to, to find out something that's bad and we've gone from slating a player from 
30,000 people in the stadium who, who may have kicked a football about a bit on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, who 20 years on think they know what they're talking about and could do a better job. Now we're hyper-analysing these two executives. So yeah. could you imagine you doing your day-to-day job and then someone coming in and saying, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're doing that right. If, if that was me, I wouldn't be doing a committee for your yeah. job. And yeah. it's like, are we, are we that mag, like magnified on the club now that everyone's in the spotlight mm-hmm. and they get mm-hmm. judged so so severely? It, has there got to be some, how, what's the checks and balances to it? That comes into it. But it just, it always makes me smile that we, we have this really strong opinion of something that we know very little about. You, you kind of pinpointed it there because everyone psychoanalyzes everything. I mean, I, I will sometimes deliberately put things on Twitter to wind people up. And I know full well. Like, if I, <laughs> like, like some, they were talking about ticket prices the other day. And I thought, well, we all know what the ticket prices for next season is going to be. I mean, we we can kind of bury our heads in the sands, but it'll be what the new the new ticket prices for new members was in last yeah. o- last august yeah. because that's what they've done for the last three years and i'll put it on and it's like under quid increase which is obviously ridiculous but it is what it is i knew i'd get boys from it and i knew it would kick off people arguing amongst themselves um but it's so easy to do that i mean i just did it for a laugh because that's <laughs> the way i am but people take it way too far and they take it way too seriously and like the jeff she thing as soon as as soon as he i saw that quote about Oh yeah, we want to be yeah, yeah the, the the top five one of the biggest brands in the world in five years. I thought, oh no, no. And no, especially no, he, and then he quoted uh saying about esports. Esports, as well. yeah. <laughs> it's that word brand, but then it goes to the traditionalism of well, what was a brand twenty thirty years ago? It didn't exist. Is that no? Right? It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a whole it's a whole different stratosphere of of, of global communications that. Hopefully they're getting on the, the ground level and going up with, and we've got that advantage over other teams. I'm not saying it's the be-all and end-all to, to global superstardom, but I'd rather be on this path than be scrambling around with a shitty-looking kit and crap manufacturers and stuff like that. So, As I said, we, we thought it was a bad day when cable cap got replaced. That's probably before your time, Rich. Yeah, that's before my time. Yeah, <laughs> there was what? Just think of the um, just think of Boilerman at Albion. Um, oh, yeah. But Telewest, the, the cable provider at the time. Okay. It was called Cable Cat. And we used to, <laughs> there used to be a Wolves. This is pre pre dial up internet days, like early, yeah. late 90s. And it used to be on the same channel on live TV. You know, the one that had like topless guards hmm. and stuff. <laughs> it, there used to be, a, there used to be a, a Wolves TV, used to be a half hour segment on a Thursday night on that channel. That's all we had. Okay. Like video media. And as a result, we had this fluffy mascot next to Wolfie called Cable Cat. And then when 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 the, the show got cut, Cable Cat had to go as well. And I, as a as a youngster, I was gutted. <laughs> in ter- I was going to say, in terms of the Jeff C brand, I was going to say experiment or the project we were kind of working on, like almost diversifying the the Wolves brand portfolio. I sort of think it's like reverse of what happened to clubs when they originally formed in the Industrial Revolution, which feels like I'm... (laughs) No, but hear me out, hear me out, Stu, because football clubs weren't forged from nothing. They were pillars of the community. They were were part of things. So it's not just... I'm going to loop it back to the 
uh, into the States, just because it's an easier example. Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a um, football club. So you would just say football club, isn't it? Who got their name literally because of the company they worked with, because they were a Green Bay Packing Company. A lot of companies in England, not complete, a lot of soccer clubs in England were formed through um, businesses in the north. You had a lot came from um, cotton factories, steelworks in Sheffield, um, like Sheffield Wednesday. Right? I don't quite know the origins off the top of my head, but we one thousand percent be related to a, a, a business because of the name Wednesday. Walls were formed via the church. Now, obviously, we're not walls aren't a brand of the church, but when it first started, it the connection would have been to what they formed from. They'd have been playing for that area. Whereas now it's almost the opposite that we are the, we're the hub, we're the provider as Wolverhampton Wanderers with all of these different things coming off it. And like, God knows what in 20 years time, like Wolves records, for example, now in my head, I can't compute what that means. <laughs> for, for, yeah. I, I don't un- quite get how that's going to help Wolves go from being eighth to fifth or fourth i don't understand how that's going to help at this point <laughs> but there's probably something there now at the end of the day like they're piggybacking off the back of wolves brand as we said it's a really strong brand for a lot of different reasons it just feel, but it does sometimes feel like are they using us in in terms of, of that and the, we've you know we've got this quite cool logo and it's like, well, you know, we can stick, we can say Wolves Records, Wolves Media, you know, mm-hmm. Wolves Travel, whatever you want to, you know, gloss it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the path that they're on. Um, as Dan will say in the fancast a lot, we are not some billionaire's plaything for him to throw oodles of money at. We are on a path towards being self-sufficient. We are part of a investments portfolio. My always counter-argument to that is, if we are part of an investment company, unfortunately, that means you do sometimes need to invest in the club, hmm. which we haven't done over the last couple of transfer windows, which, which is why we have two centre midfielders to last us eight games. I was going to say that, though, when you, you said that, that was the one thing that came out of this, where he said for the first time that all this other nonsense is actually going to go back into us. And not mm-hmm. Fosen Sports, which is the holding company, which is yeah. what it seemed when that thing was set up, that that's where the money's going to go. And then it'll trickle down between the rest. For the first time in that interview, he said all this is to benefit us properly. Yeah. So from that point of view, I mean, I, I couldn't care less where that logo, that brand, that logo ends up. I mean, I've said before that about the um, the New York Yankees hats. We had them things all over the place. We still do. I don't even know what that yeah. meant as a kid walking around. Everyone had that. That and why on the cap? Well, I never had one, thankfully. Um, but if he wants that kind of recognition and he wants us to turn the Wolves records into Def Jam, then whatever. If it, if it works, it works. It probably Jeff won't. Jeff Jam. Jeff Jam. Yeah. There's your title. <laughs> well done. It's like what what what's what's the worst that's going to come from it? Yeah. Really, it's it's nominal grand scheme of things. It's not like he's you know selling the seats in the stadium. To melt down the plastic to then sell on, is he? It's not, it just feels like <laughs> I, he's not focusing on it. I think they'd probably argue too about the investment. Well, we just wrote off this big loan that Fosen had given Wolves, so I'm sure they'd they probably do that. But yeah, I I think that's 
where kind of the disconnect is right now is seeing these other investments and then seeing guys that the team's not willing to pay an extra five million pounds and we're losing them good players because of it. I think that's where Wolf's Twitter is getting fired up. Yeah. I've I've been as vocal as anyone on the fan cast about I mean, when they said, oh, we have to be self-sufficient. And I went, well, there's no problem with being self-sufficient. I mean, if we'd have spent 30 million in January and then got it back off the money that you're definitely going to get anyway, when we've got that, a rolling 50 million pound loan with McCure Bank in Australia. So that's not being self-sufficient in a way anyway. It's just the way things are. So you are right. There's got to be a bit of give and take and, there's almost no give whatsoever with them. They've, they've done their job. They've got us where we were. I mean, we, we dreamed about being a Stoke. That was our dream 10 years yeah. ago. And now we've got it. We want more, which is fine because they promised us more. So it's, I think him, if he doesn't keep coming out saying this stuff, I don't think people have too much of a problem with it. But he can't hide behind, oh, it's not, trans, it's a mistranslation or because it's not because he said it over and over again. Mm. If, he, if he was just quiet and said, this is the plan. Uh, he did say in there 20 years, which is fine. We'll thankfully still be around. But, well, <laughs> depends on the on the beer consumption in the meantime. But that's all fine. But the headline's going to be five years. We want yeah. f- mm-hmm. biggest brand in five years. So it's that, that kind of constant conflict, which doesn't help, really. And that's from, it seems only from Jeff Shee and no one else. Everyone else yeah. seems to be towing the line now. Yeah, I think it's... It's so difficult because we have made like a meteoric rise and to be consistent at this level where like we want, we want like say we finish seventh, that's three out of four seasons in Premier League will have finished seventh mm-hmm. and that's not doing a stoke. That, that's, that is the scale up from that. Like yeah. Leicester aren't able to do that and Leicester is supposed to do a great project who are a billionaire's plaything with being honest they do it very well run billionaires pay thing but it's really difficult because we've done this big rise but it feels which isn't the greatest way to sort of describe it feels like we're so near to it we need this one little thing more we just need this one centre midfielder we just need this one striker we just need this you know one thing and that'll make us brilliant that'll make that next step up whereas if you th- uh, it pains me to say it. I reckon if you take a step back and say, yeah, if you did have this one thing, would you actually, you know, if we got Renato Sanchez, if we'd have got Sven Botman or whatever, would we be higher than seventh or eighth? Would we really be fourth? Probably not. And it pains me to say it because I think everyone needs to, like, we need about four of those players to really be able to consistently do it over a 38 game season. Mm. And we can't buy four of those types of players in one go. Yeah. And you know what? It, you know the, the club. I think are very, I think they're, they're worried about the financial implications around some stuff, which still will tell you is complete malarkey um, in, in in terms of them worrying about it. But Wolves, to a degree, are in position despite of the owners, not because of them. The one thing the club have done really well um, since. Since they got, to, since they took over, apart from the madness of what was anger, is they've been very astute at hiring coaches who are good at improving players because it's afforded them not to spend extra money. They didn't need to. They got 
New, for all of Nuno's faults, he improves players. Bruno Large improves players. And you know what? It's meant that we've not had to upgrade Max Kilman or Roman Sace. Mm-hmm. And I love both of those players. That isn't me slandering them. But um, if you bring in a different manager, he might go, I reckon Roman Sace has got a ceiling and I think he's hit it. Let's we need we need to spend twenty million to replace him. Whereas you know we've had two managers come and go. I can get a tune out of him and have them. Yeah, and I think it was it's not even luck either because Lopetegui yeah. is one of those yeah. managers as well. I mean obviously he took the Spain job because why wouldn't you? Um, but he's a, he's a coach first who improves yeah. players. So that's all that's always been in the DNA since that's okay. And to link it back round, they are specialists in what they do. Improving players and coaching players, not acquiring players. Which is why you need a transfer committee, just to bring it all back full circle. Hey everyone, Alex here. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on Whole Lot of Wolves and you haven't done so already, please leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use to listen to the show. It helps grow the audience and the show's visibility, which we greatly appreciate, and in turn enables us to do even more to deliver a better product to you each week. So thanks for listening, rating, and reviewing. Now back to the show. Well, guys, it's Midlands Derby this coming Saturday, and we're at home against Aston Villa. For us, it's back to a 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central kickoff. What time is it for you guys over there? Three. Three? Three o'clock Man, kickoff must... on a Saturday. Who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we're going to lean on you two a little, given your proximity, or maybe you guys live or work alongside some Villa fans. How do you think they'll be approaching it, and who will we need to be on the lookout for? Oh, you know, I was mar- I'm married to one, so... Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I hate Derby games. I've always hated them. With It's just they're annoying because the stakes are too high, and for the vast majority of my life, we've always messed it up on Derby Day. Pretty much always, so... I think... If Coutinho is bothered and if Coutinho is firing, which without Neves, Neves in the middle is going to be a problem and more than likely to happen now, I think that's where the problems are going to start because when he looks good, he's looked very good for them. When he's not and he's looked a bit lazy and off it, then I think we've got a chance. I mean, you look at the table, they are still below us. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get it right. They're not this brilliant, amazing side that the, the Villa fans think they are. But Coutinho, for all his... Me thinking that he was a bit washed up and at his age, he shouldn't be at Villa, really. He, I'd be amazed if he's there next season, really. If he, the, Some of the performances he's put in, it looks like he was the player that he um, that he was when he left. Not to the, the same level, but he was getting there. I think Coutinho's a danger man. I think the rest of the team kind of flounders around. I mean, if Mings plays, then obviously that's a bonus for us. Um, so hopefully he don't, he don't get knackered on Tuesday nights for England, but yeah, I think I think Coutinho for me is the one who seems more dangerous than the rest of the minute. Yeah, I mean he he is their star player. Player I really like for Villa is Jaden Ramsey, midfield, um, mm. who is very young but is annoyingly good because he seems to be able to quietly do everything. And he might he might not set the world on fire against Wolves, but. If I was looking at it from a Villa fan's perspective in terms of like your positives from this season, yeah, Coutinho's 
great. But seeing him again, because I think he made his first start for Villa um, when we played him last year, I think when we lost 1-0. Um, yeah. He's pretty much been a first-choice player ever since. So, it, again, I don't rate a lot of their team. I'll be honest, I think it is pretty mediocre. Even the signings they kind of replaced Grealish with, I was like, well, I don't massively rate Wendia personally. I don't see him being, you know, a, a top half Premier League player, for example. But I can see that there's something definitely special about Jalen Ramsey. Not Jalen Ramsey. Jacob Ramsey, not Jalen. Jacob. Jalen Ramsey is a, uh, is a cornerback for um, the Rams. That's where I was yep. confused. Yeah. There we go. At least we didn't go for Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that as a positive. Do you think there's a little extra at stake with the way Wolves won the game earlier this year with that yeah. 3-2 win? Definitely. Yeah. I think more, if if Dean Smith would have been there, it would definitely have been. Um, but this, I can't really remember any, any kind of beef with Gerrard at all. I don't know about you, Rich, because he's never really been... It's not like Lampard, who's looking at perpetual arsehole all the time. Gerard never really seemed to have anything with us that I can remember off the top of my head anyway. Like, yeah, so, he, had his, he had his moments playing for Liverpool, but none of them were against Wolves. No. I, I do get what you mean. Like, I've got... Yeah, I, I can't think of any slight I'd have against Gerard. I don't know how much to massive rate him as a manager. And I'm interested to sort of see, because obviously there's been a lot of PR this week about him playing for Liverpool in that testimonial. So there's been lots of shots of him at the training ground of like, you know, things you love to see. It's like a photo of like a slightly overweight Stephen Gerrard. Whether that's going to affect them, God knows. But yeah, I don't quite, quite a, don't know a quite rate Gerrard as a manager. Juice Juice. It's too, it's too early to tell. I mean, he did really well for Rangers, obviously up there. But the way they fell away since he left, kind of yeah. says it all to me. So I think with him being there you now instead of Dean Smith, I don't think that what happened earlier in the season is going to have as much of a toll on their minds, really. Um, it's it's pretty much a different the way they play is different as well. They're not as they're not as awful as they were before. Um, they're still not great, but they're not, they're not as awful as they were when we played them and when they fell apart. So I think it'll probably be more on the fans' minds than anything else. And let's just hope that it stays that way, because if anyone loves rubbing it in your face and talking about how, how great they are, it's Villa fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm more concerned about looking at, the way that we're going to bounce back from a similar situation against Leeds. <laughs> so that's it for me. It's, it's a it's a game that how are we going to respond to chucking away a two-goal lead oh. and being absolute dog shit for defensively yeah. for the bulk of that second half. And it's it's one of those games where we've got this run-in. We know the big teams that we, we're going to come up against. We know that we're probably not going to get maximum points from potentially three of those so that's nine we could be losing straight away so to me I think there's a fair bit riding on this game on Saturday in that if we win it's going to really set us it's going to reset us and put us back on course uh if we lose I'd probably be inclined to say that's us done for the season then 
Yeah. I I am slightly anxious more than you intrigued about how we're gonna line up, especially without Jimenez now. I'm I'm worried in general about how we're gonna score goals, but we've barely scored all season, so the fact that Jimenez won't be playing always doesn't worry me too much apart from he drags other people in. It's just whether he goes for Fabio Silva and has, you know, someone up next to him to help out, or or he goes for a couple of I guess almost attacking players, like if he starts Wang, Podence and Trincao I'm a bit anxious. No. That's not going to. That's not going to. Stuart, you know it's going to happen. I know. I know it's going to happen. That's why. And it'll put Pedence through the middle again, like he did before. Yeah. And I think it's it's crying out for Fabio. It has to be. And if we put if we're playing a three, then I'd play Pedence. If we're playing a two, then I wouldn't put him anywhere near that starting lineup because the way he's he's nonsense throwing himself to the ground has increased in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's gotten really I bad. I mean, it's bit, not just him either. I mean, I watched the game, the Mexico-US game the other night, which was, it finished at four o'clock here on a Friday morning, which had the work the next day and all. That was a great nil-nil to watch in the middle of the night. And Raul's <laughs> performance was absolutely atrocious. But what is he, what is he doing? That's Concacaf for you. Yeah, I mean, he was doing it again. I mean, he did get, he did get proper smacked that one in the one challenge, to be fair. But how much he was on the floor, it's, it's crept into his game. It's crept into Pedence. No one else yet seems to have took it on board, thankfully. Um, I think if Trincao did it, he'd be hung, drawn and quartered by everyone. Um, he's not allowed to do anything wrong now for the rest of the season if he, <laughs> if he wants to get people on board. Um, but yeah, we can't be playing a front three like that. We just can't. It, it, Fabio has to be the focal point. If it's in a two up front, maybe Huang... I don't really, I don't really know. That's the problem because they're I'd all as bad as start. each other. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I'd happily see Fabian Ponent start as a front two with a midfield three of Martinho, Cundland, Dendonka. But yeah. that you've got no options. You have like the only way Wolves can change the game is by dragging off one of those centre midfielders. And say so it's a slightly sorry state of affairs when you're like, well, couldn't quite know is all going to happen, but. You never know, do you? And I think you know, it might do a bit of disservice on Hang as well, who's got a goal. I mean, Trinkau, who did great when he came on and, and did great against Villa, but Wolves can sometimes surprise us, especially after an international break, in terms of what they want to try and achieve, if you know what I mean, like how they go about it again. Sometimes we've been like straight out of traps recently, like against um, Leicester and Spurs, but other times we just don't wake up and I can't get why we, we we fluctuate in terms of game plans like that so I think it's going to be interesting in terms of how they approach the game where they just try and completely kill it in the first instance I think if we do we're going to get battered like, we'll probably only lose like one or two nil but I think just mentally like it'll be a bit like it was against Palace I think if we actually go for it because we know that they're not a great side then you know we've got more than a more than a solid chance of beating these quite comfortably I think and you'll have people on the beers from eight in the morning as well, which always helps. Yeah, I mean it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a Saturday three o'clock game, but that's no, that's it's gonna it, it's gonna. I mean, there might be two drones this week rather than just the one that we had in Leeds. <laughs> so um, let's hear predictions then. I'll start with you, Stu. Yeah, two nil, two nil win. Wow. Don't know why, but two nil win. Okay. 
Uh, Richard, how about you? Uh, 2-1. 2-1? Wolves? Yeah, yeah. Never, <laughs> never predictable. My, uh, my uh, little, I was going to say secret, but it isn't very secret, is that I never predict Wolves to lose. If I think they're going to lose, I predict them to draw. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Alex, hop in here. What's your prediction? I'm going to stick with 1-1. I know it's out of necessity, but the three in the midfield is kind of uninspiring. I feel like they fall behind and then get one back when they eventually go three up top. So I'm kind of like Richard, too. When I don't feel very good, I'll just say a 1-1 drop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to have them getting hammered. But, uh, yeah, I'll go 1-1 again. Paul? I'm in the draw club as well. I've got to go 1-1. I'm just not feeling it at the moment. Maybe that changes. We're a little ways away from it, and the positivity comes back toward the end of the week, but I think it's going to be a struggle. I just don't know. No Neves, no Raul. It's going to go either like one or two ways. Yeah. It's going to be polar opposites, I think. So. Yeah. It's not going to be boring. I'm going to say nil-nil, Paul. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see a scoring. I really don't. It's going to have to be a fluke goal on either side, I think. I think it's, uh, yeah, that's what I got. All right, Paul, no stupid questions. We're going to put a new spin on this week and keep them between ourselves. So, uh, Rich and Stu, what have you got for us? And then we'll ask some for you. Okay. So I was trying to think of a couple of fancast Twitter calling questions we've had come up recently that I've enjoyed. Um, one, I'm going to, just for myself, so this this came off the back of realising that washing machines had a filter on them, which I didn't know. <laughs> um, uh, so I... Just did, didn't realise they were a thing, and I've had this washing machine for a couple of years now, and then emptied the filter to, frankly, devastating effects, um, and it, <laughs> then it started working again. Anyway, so my my stupid uh, stupid question is, what thing would you have liked to learn earlier than you actually did? Oh, jeez. Now, it can be sort of kind of technology-related, uh-huh. Like a little thing, rather than like a great deep moral sense. Like I'd have liked to have learned taxes when I was fifteen. Like we'll we'll keep it keep it light hearted sort of thing. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> that's got the uh, that's got the steam coming out the ears in, in what I'm thinking now. Um, my my other question then, and this will be an easier one, is what's your favourite gadget? Oh, favourite gadget. <laughs> That's a good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think you have say, to what? say our our cell phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> because we, we, I mean, we, growing up in the eighties and nineties, boy, when we got that, that was awesome. Yeah, we we debated, I guess, what what you class as a gadget at this point. So I think Stu, you said your PS five. <laughs> um, I went for my wireless headphone earba- um headband. That's ridiculous. It's <laughs> great. I'm gonna put a um I'm gonna put an, an American spin on mine. Not that it's a gadget, mm. but just to let you know that 
are bottles of beer come in a screw top, so you don't yeah. need a bottle opener anymore. Yeah, so. I'll take I'll take that 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 yeah. can come under gadget. I'll, I'll I'll happily accept that. But then Paul, you miss out on having bottle openers that look like this. Yeah, if you can't really <laughs> <put that laughs> your pocket, can you? <laughs> no. I think park with it. <laughs> my, my 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 keys are over the other end of the house, but I still have a gecko shaped bottle opener key ring which i got like my first week at university at a freshers fair and it is like it, it's so, so nearly worn down i can barely open a beer with it now but it's like literally as a last cling to well my, my early prime days um yeah sorry i'm gonna get emotional about the world now <laughs> how she feels yeah i mean mine yeah. I was going to say, mine obviously doesn't count for Paul, but going on this, have Alex or Josh ever played or thought about playing Subutio? I have no idea what that even is. I've never heard of it. Even, even, Stu, even I'm old enough to know that. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, I mean, how can you even, it's a tabletop. Dungeons and Dragons, but soccer teams. Yeah. I think yeah, uh, stop almost no stop motion FIFA, but wow. yeah. you, you essentially you had a tablecloth that uh, had a football pitch laid out on it. You had eleven men and and a very small ball, and you had to flick the men to hit the ball until you you scored. I think you had like three flicks in a row. Right, I'm yeah, thinking. Right three flicks and there was offside and there was there was ways of doing it as well so if you got really pro, you can get pro tournaments as well where you could flick it in a certain angle and get players to go bend round other players and it's way more technical than you think it is so just look at youtube videos of subutio I, it's i will check that out <laughs> you'll you'll look at it and think it is mad that people played this but again it, it was literally fifa before there was yeah, it's 70s, 80s. Yeah. Hmm. It sounds like a, a here, I don't know, Josh, do you do you, do you ever play electric football? There's like yes, a long you, time ago, yeah. You put 11 little figures, 11 on 11 for American football, on a vibrating board. And you plug and it, it in, <laughs> and it just vibrates so that the players, like, eventually move, and you have to hope that you place them to where the vibrations will move them towards the goal line. It was... I mean, you're just sitting there watching this, yeah. so it's a little bit less involved than than that's, Budo, think, if that's what it's called. But if you ever played like similar. any, it's a Warhammer in. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It, it is like the yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is like a really good shout, or like playing with like you know like little toy figurines in like little battles and stuff like that. If you ever had like paint like little army battalions or whatever, and like reenacting it and uh, say like role play stuff, that is the easiest way of describing a football version. So I know for your first question now, I know my answer. Okay, okay. So when I was in college, uh, one of my fraternity brothers, this was back in 2002, one of my fraternity brothers kept talking about um, Bitcoin and how everybody needed to like put money into Bitcoin. And we were like, what the hell are you talking about this crypto crap i don't know and he's like i'm telling you guys and he invested like thousands and thousands of dollars in bitcoin and we're like what okay waste of money good job ben um he is now retired at 38 years old um 
and Lord only knows how much money he made, even even if he sold like early on. So I wish I had listened to him about Bitcoin yeah, way back in 2002. Do you have any questions that are able to be on a recorded production? <laughs> Not um, the fancast initiation questions. No. I know what I can say, and they're kind of it's a, a backwards plug to our well, my other podcast that Richard's appeared oh, on before, yeah. Cage Fighting. Um, what's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Oh, oh man, uh, it, it's it's the brand new one, I and mean, I've yeah. liked Nicolas Cage, but the brand new one, Willy's Wonderland. Oh yes, yes, it's brilliant because he doesn't say a word the entire <laughs> movie, and it fits perfectly with that character and with him like i don't know if anybody else could have pulled it off so he's had a bunch of good ones but i thought that one was just pure brilliance by him with willie's wonderland we actually had the composer of the soundtrack on the podcast right wow um, we just said uh, we just dm'd him on twitter and asked him if he wanted to come on and he said okay <laughs> have you seen that yet paul i've not no i'm gonna look it's it basically up like um a horror Chuck E. cheese that is uh it's possessed by like this uh cult and uh <laughs> nicholas cage who doesn't say a word he's stuck in this town because he has a flat tire and he doesn't have any cash so they're like oh well you can clean this place up and uh that'll be the reward and they're sending him in there to get sacrificed essentially and he ends up like uh just becoming a badass in there but never says a word the entire movie it's brilliant his last, his last one, he almost got Oscar nominated for, which was Pig. Yeah, um, Pig, yeah. Where he said, truffle pig farmer. But yeah, he's, um, how about you, Paul? Nicolas Cage? I'm, I've not got the breadth of knowledge, so I'm just going old school with Face Off, which is still, yeah. it's a classic, yes. you know, so. Excellent. Choice. I just saw the, the previews for that new Unbearable Weight movie where Nicolas Cage is playing himself, and I'm, I can't wait for that one. I've literally booked tickets for that two hours ago. <laughs> I just saw the preview Week for it, uh, yesterday, and I was like, "What is this?" And it it just it looks awesome. Yeah, he's, he's having some. I mean, it kind of it's a happy coincidence because for us, we, me and a couple of the other uh, fancast guys, Matt and Andy, we started this kind of side project in lockdown because we literally had nothing else to do. Talking about reviewing Nicolas Cage films, and then every other week talking about just film questions like imagine a whole episode of no stupid questions but about film that's what every other week is um <laughs> and so we started that when he was doing terrible films all the time and then things like colorado space came out and things like willie's wonderland and we thought well oh this is a, it's a renaissance we're in the right place at the right time and now we all three of us are going to see a Nicolas Cage film at the cinema through choice. <laughs> do you, do you guys? That's awesome. Do you guys, um, what do you think of the National Treasure movies? Since they're kind of beloved out here since they're they US-based. They were like one of the first ones she did for the cage fighting. Right, yeah, they were. Potentially the first one. Yeah, it was. It was the first episode. Uh, um, I, I'd only seen it once. I'd never seen the second one. Um, I loved them. I thought they were great. They're really good for art. They are very fun films, is how I describe them. Yeah, the Uncharted, the Uncharted film is very similar in kind of tone to them, mm. um, and that's kind of why I like that. But yeah, I've, 
I'll come around to that. I mean, everyone, there's people under a certain age like the National Treasure films here. And it's like, oh, I'm completely missed out, missed out on this altogether. And I watched it when I was a student, quite drunk. Um, yeah, OGs like The Rock and Face Off and Con Air. That was mm-hmm. my era to start with. He's got some sneaky good ones. Snake Eyes, I remember really enjoying that. Wind Talkers. Um, let me see. World Trade Center was good. Uh, Wicker Man, that's where that famous meme is. <laughs> oh, <was. dude>. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a few dotted in there. I mean, there's like yeah. little cult ones, I guess, like Gone in 60 Seconds as well, which is not that. I think that's like the first Nicolas Cage movie I remember watching him in. Now, I did watch uh, Mandy, and I hated Mandy. That was like... Yes! That was like essentially you'd have to be uh, like on major drugs to enjoy that movie. Yeah, we we were recommended that for the first probably six months. People saying, do Mandy, do Mandy. You went, no, we'll do Mandy when we want to do Mandy. And then we didn't, we'd done Color Out of Space, which we all loved. Uh-huh. And so we, we got around to it. Okay, well, let's do Mandy. None of us had seen it. And I think it was that kind of, it had been built up to so such a high degree that people had loved it. And when I put it on, I thought, what is this bollocks? <laughs> it's, so it doesn't make, I mean, it doesn't even make any sense for it to be funny. It's just, it's just too odd for its own good. Yeah, it was, it was really odd. USS Indianapolis was also a great movie. Made famous by Quint's monologue in Jaws. Paul, I'm a, I'm a movie buff, as you can tell. <laughs> Sorry, I think Paul's got some questions for you now. Yeah, we've are. touched upon it a little bit, and I explain it in the context that we've probably never had in over here in the States a good uh, insight into the club, the fan base, um, everything that goes on with it, the forums, podcasts, you name it. It's a ton of information that we've got access to. But does do you think it comes across overly negative when we look to those reactions on Twitter or Molyneux Mix? What's the pulse like in the pub? Or what does the guy talking behind you, uh, on the road behind you at the match say? The, the guy that you've been stood next to for years but never know his name. Is it as bad as how it sometimes comes across online, or are we okay? And an extension of that, do you think we're different to anyone else? We're definitely not different to anyone else. <laughs> I think that 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 my takeaway from speaking of that, like it, it's different at other clubs. Like I mean, like the the, the I think yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, if you exclude the top six out of it, who are yeah. like normal football clubs. Think provincial town football clubs, they have exactly the same fans. It's how it's how I look at it. In you, you have the same, you have the same fractions, and it doesn't matter. You'll still have like fifty percent of on board, fifty percent want change. You, it, it, and for however much I'd love to say, our oh, walls are different. Our oh, walls Twitter's balmy. It's mad. It'll be exactly the same for like Coventry. Twitter or I don't know like Crystal Palace Twitter, let's say. That'd be my that'd be my take on it. I think because of the size of the weird size of club that we are, it seems like there's more of us, which there is. But in the kind of as a percentage of fans, I don't think it's any worse than anywhere else. I think what you what you do see though is that, like sometimes you have to take a step back and think Twitter is not real. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and like the vast majority of people are not on Twitter all the time, all day long, if at all. So when you're in the pub, I mean, there's people who've listened to the fan cast who've who are not on Twitter. I mean, my own brother, he's on Twitter. I don't know what his 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 um, profile name is. He's a, he's a stalker. Um, but he just reads things he doesn't post or rants about COVID and stuff like I have in the past. Um, he's just, he keeps himself to himself, goes to the match, very relatively quiet, very opposite of me. And he goes home and then that's, that's it. That's how he, his Wolves thing is. He just watches and keeps it in his head. Yeah. And I think that is, for the vast majority of people, that is what they are. And when they get in the pub with their mates, Unless we're on a really bad run. I mean, like if if last year had not happened how it did, I don't think Nuno would have gone past Christmas mm-hmm. because it, fans would have been meeting up with each other. It would have trickled down from the stands. You would have heard it. That wasn't the case. I mean, it looked on Twitter that time. It was the other way around. Everyone's on Twitter seems to be supportive, and there was a very few of us. I mean, like me and Tightwad Billy, you can follow him. He's funny. Um, who were the outliers saying the blokes lost the plot? And I know you, Josh. You were you were so pro Nuno as well on mm-hmm. here, and I'd think maybe it was because we're so downbeaten and old at this kind of game, twenty eight years of watching Wolves, that we're so used to seeing how these the patterns of how things go wrong over time. It was just blatantly obvious for me that that was what was going to happen. I even had arguments with my own family. Me and my mum, they speak to me for three weeks. <laughs> And I just said, so I said that he's lost the plot. This this is not a one-off, and that was that was Sheffield United away when we lost in the last minute. Yeah. Um. That's when I I, I started having doubts, and but that was that was the opposite on Twitter compared to real life, and it's a bit like this kind of it's a bit political. The whole J.K. Rowling thing with the Harry, the new Harry Potter game. If you look on, on Twitter, it's, oh, let's all burn everyone who, who's working on that thing but at the stake. You look at the pre-orders, it's going to be one of the biggest games of the year. Right. So I think we just have to take a step back out of our little bubble that we're not we're not the, the, the man in the street, so to speak. The man in the street is actually loving being a Wolves fan at the minute and can't believe it, yeah. like we said earlier. I think, like, and the, yeah, to Stu's point, I, I, the echo chambers is a really big one. And you can kind of get drawn into it if you're not careful or you you disregard certain fans because they've got different opinions to you. But it it, it always loops back to kind of, I guess what we're saying at the start of the show about like being a fan, it doesn't like, matter where you are, like there's Molyneux will have what twenty eight thousand more fans in it when you take out the away fans. Mm-hmm. But there's far more than twenty eight thousand more fans digesting that game. And, you know, even beyond that, and, and we all kind of go about it differently. So Stu, Stu will be very vocal for a day about a game and then he'll move on. I, I, I'll, and, and we all kind of, I guess, digest it and take, absorb it slightly differently. I think Twitter's just a vacuous space sometimes, isn't it? Where, like you said, like... It, Everyone's got the opportunity to post their opinions on there. And it can be the, the biggest difficulty with Twitter for me is there's a character limit. So, like, you can put your opinion to people you don't know, don't necessarily like, and you don't have very many characters to explain what you actually think. Whereas if you're at the pub, you can talk to them in person, you can have a 
literally a verbal dialogue and not be restricted to 160 characters and it makes such a difference to have it and i think like that's why i like doing a podcast because me and Stu might have a difference of opinion on like i don't know wolves defending if it was just through twitter it would come across just like this back and forth like no you're wrong no you're wrong whereas you get to talk about it you can't even go oh well, we're more wolves like, we're more wolves and you you carry on it's say like, i yeah I find, I find twitter a funny old place a lot of the time somewhat of a similar topic is that again when it comes to content we've we've never had it as good um but we miss that live connection i'd say and and the opportunity to see these players in the flesh so who do you both see that's going to potentially be the next breakthrough when it comes to the under 23s or the academy either from the buzz that they get in football circles or from having the opportunity to get to a reserve game and see them live i mean luton can we class luke kundal because <laughs> I think like yeah, I it, I mean, he's played one or Toddy Gomez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, Toddy Gomez, I think would be a really good shout. I mean, the thing with like Luke Kundal, if you saw him in the under 23s, was it two days ago on Friday? And he's just like leaps and bounds beyond that level. Like whether he's quite Premier League ready, I don't know, but it, it is very clear that a half a year around the first team squad and getting a couple of minutes here and there. He, he's beyond that level at the moment, I think. I mean, for really, he's one. Sorry, Stu. I say for me, it's um, Dexter Lembiseka, right wing back. Mm. He looks, I think he's getting a bit of notice now. I think Judah um, put something on his Twitter about him the other day uh, when he got an assist. But he looks, he looks like a mixture of Samedo and Doherty, if, if you can imagine such a beast. Um, he's, and completely not Keanu Hoover, which is obviously a, a good point. Um, but he's, he's also young enough, and there's enough there, even just seeing him, how very raw he is at the minute, giving him a year or 18 months, I can see him breaking through. Uh, Dexter, let me see. There you go. I was going to say, one of a shout-out, just because I had to find his name, is Nathan Fraser, who's 17, so we are like a good three or four few years off, but like, I think he's just signed his first pro deal. He's been scoring goals in the under-18s. He's been scoring. I think he's recently been moved up to under-23s as well at a really young age. So I think we've got a lot of um, lot of hope in him as well. How about anybody at Grasshoppers that you're really excited about? Yeah, Bonatini. He's still there, getting back. Top shagger. Um, <laughs> That's what his uh, his main <laughs> achievement was over here. We um, uh, we actually we actually had his in the championship season. His mum and dad came on the supporters couch with us, and this is it's an independent, not affiliated with the club whatsoever. So it's go somewhere five mile outside where you're going to play, um, have a few have two or three hours drinking time, then go to the match, and so you got these. People in the late forties, I guess, early fifties, on this couch with a bunch of us, not understanding a word, that much English, let alone our accented English, um, looking quite confused about the whole situation. But fair play to him; his dad necked his beer as much as he did. <laughs> um, 
but they, they, they seem to enjoy themselves yeah but we've never had anything like that before that was that was a weird one yeah. um i was gonna say my slightly more serious one is um the japanese um mid attacking midfield we got um mm-hmm. i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but Hawaii uh Kawabe, who i think he's, he's still scored like a few goals since he's been out there and you know i think he had, he had a good sort of first part of the season with them and has kind of cracked on on still so it again japanese international he's got i hope he's got a decent caliber within him um whether he can make the step up to premier league football never quite know but again he seems to have the, the right makeup for what we're hopefully looking for well, we had the Korean kid as well. He is he yeah. there as well. Yeah, that's who he I'm is, really yeah. excited about. Korean Mbappe. Yeah, and when we had the um, that guy on who specialises in the uh, in the K League, we had, was it the start of this season or the end of last season. Yeah. Um, and he was talking on that episode about the like how how they're brought up in a ton of technical way. It's not really based on sports and winning all the time. It's based on mm-hmm. personal development more than anything else. So that's why you see players like, well, how technically good like um, Son is and Huang as well, to a certain extent. Um, not his first touch, of course, but everything else about him, his dribbling skills. So if the Korean Mbappe is as highly rated as people seem to think he is, then the, uh, the grasshoppers then bring him back, ideal. I had a no stupid question, but I feel like we've hit on it quite a bit. I was going to ask about how you feel when you see people uh like myself coming over to wolves like with american accents where they're specific you know traveling overseas just to go to a game um but we we hit on that quite a bit so maybe i'll pivot and i'll ask is there anything here that maybe is a little obscure you know you mentioned your, your indianapolis colts um that you would come over like just to go to that that would if you told Ooh. your friends you were going to come here for that they'd be like are you crazy like when i told people i was going to England for yeah, a like, soccer match at Wolverhampton, they were like, "What?" <laughs> I was gonna say, in terms of your first one, like, you know, love it. There are people who struggle to travel, like literally in a WV postcode <laughs> to get to Wolves. Oh, it, it's it, it, it's enough of a mission for me. I left twenty miles away, twenty miles away, something like that, fifteen miles. Like, and so anyone who's like, you say, wouldn't go. Oh, you're not a Wolves fan because you. You know, you didn't go to this game or you don't have a season ticket. It's like people are genuinely like booking holidays to go to Wolverhampton. <laughs> and you tell you they're getting up at the break yeah. of dawn to watch this to watch this team. You're telling me they're not real fans. Um so in terms of going over, yeah, seeing a Colts game would be cool. I'd almost be more interested um in seeing like a big college game or even a high school game. In terms of American football, because I mean, college is just this, you know, you, you see the the crowds in sort of the, uh, in, in sort of the bigger colleges. You've mentioned like Alabama, mm-hmm. you've got Ohio as well, and like Michigan. I think when that stadium's full, it's like the fourth biggest city in the in the state or something stupid. Yeah, it's um, like one hundred eight thousand, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, that's that's mental. I, I wouldn't necessarily if I was going over to America, I was like on, on some sort of you know sports odyssey um i'd be interested in watching like an uh, american football at high school level just because when you hear like oh they get like ten thousand going to a game mm-hmm. it's like they're kids and like mm-hmm. how, I, I almost can't compute the emotional impact I, I, i'm talking to two guys in texas 
and you know I've, I've watched Friday Night Lights so I know what it's like <laughs> <laughs> and I go like that's crazy that there's such a big following that it's like you know in my head oh wait it's like a precursor isn't it it's a precursor to a mm-hmm. precursor in theory so it's like under 18 level like about 20 people watch for Wolves under 18 <laughs> and it's like oh well I'm saying like the, the whole town the whole community comes out and watches them I mean, I wouldn't know where to start in terms of going to a high school game, but yeah, that 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 concept amazes me in terms of like the focus on you know essentially like junior junior mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, if I was going over to America from a sports perspective, yeah, that would be uh, that would be quite cool. I think for for me, it'd be obviously apart from going to MetLife and be disappointed. I think <laughs> I've always had this kind of. You want to? I know. Hang on, Stu. Do you want to meet that Seattle Sounders fan? Oh, we can't put Dave on screen t- twice in a week, can we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've had a lot of MetLife Fight experiences. I don't win. know yours, but uh, they all have been disappointing, by the way. As somebody who lives like a 30-minute drive from MetLife. Yeah, other than that, I've always had this thing. I don't know why, but I'd, I think it's maybe because I went, after I watched Ghost Rider for the first time, like them crazy, like... like MX like extreme sports places like with monster trucks and stuff because we don't have anything like that here at all. I mean, you get monster trucks in the park. I mean, we, we had one in West Park about five years ago on its own, going over like a little hill, and there's some swans watching it. I mean, it's like it's not the same. So something, something just mental like has out there and is typically stereotypically American as you could get something like that, and just to spend a week, a week two weeks just being there like being somewhere like let's say like in trevor's trailer park in gta 5 that kind of thing but so somewhere where you wouldn't expect to go like just pick just pick like like you said just a random town in 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 england or wolverhampton no one knows where that is the similar kind of thing just look on the map just pick somewhere and just go there and be there for a week and just experience what it was like just because why not It'd be it'll be different, and I'll probably never come back. I mean, let's be honest. But yeah, yeah I think like going to like somewhere in America that isn't necessarily like a top touristy destination yeah. as well. And like, yeah, yeah, that very cool. Because I mean, the majority of people I know go to America. They they go, they go East Coast, they go New York, they go Boston. Or they go Florida, yeah. or they go California. Yeah, like you can send so, North Carolina for two weeks just for a laugh. Yeah, you might get you might get some who go like Atlanta, maybe as well. Mm. But you know, you, you then miss out all this like kind of additional stuff like throw, you know, going let's say I don't know like Kentucky Derby or something mental, which like oh, oh that's <laughs> you would but, you would be quite amazed by the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, similar in Wolverhampton, like it'd be all, it's the old thing about you know a, a cafe that serves the world's best coffee, <laughs> and it, it's like lucky now. Yeah, so we yeah, but that's it, isn't it? We're all proud of where we're from, and like everyone's like, oh well, you need to go like fish and chip shop. It'll be here, wouldn't it? You need to come sure. to this fish and chip shop. Yeah, uh, just because you buy anything at Charlie's, isn't it? But. Anyway, <laughs> But it's like you you need to go here because it is the best. But every town thinks it. And with America being like we we have that being really condensed. 
but there'll be that for like states and different areas in America, I can imagine. So like even like I guess like I don't know how Houston card gets broken up, but you know, you have oh well this place does, you know, they say they do the best pie in Texas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like that's what I get I get completely stupid. Yeah, I'd want to be there for two weeks and just be in this like little town that is really like nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it has this whole world that rotates around it. Like that, that fascinates me. Maybe at Christmas as well. So like you're in your own Hallmark film. It'll be, be amazing. <laughs> well, Hall- Hallmark film bromance with an yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 Stu, Mark, mine and your road trip through America. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a great podcast, by the way. Oh, it would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, just, just imagine the amount of wool that you'd have to take, though. Oh, no. I'm wearing, <laughs> Stu, I'm wearing a jumper at the moment. If nothing... Are. Nothing more typifies Stu, but I'm pretty much always wearing a jumper, and Stu is somewhat wearing, I was going to say something ridiculous. You're fortunately not, I'm hoping at the moment, you're just wearing an England top. Yeah. You're not wearing the sleeves. <laughs> no, it's so, summer now, ain't it? So, so <laughs> the last time I saw Sue, Stu was about a month ago, so it wasn't exactly summer. And we go to the pub after the game, <laughs> and <laughs> takes off his takes off his jacket. And he's wearing his Wolves top. And it looks like he's wearing like Under Armour underneath, like, you know, the thermal stuff that the players wear. So we all start ribbing and going, oh, bloody else do you? you look like you're about, you know, we can try and get on as a sub or something. <laughs> he went, no, it's just keep my arms warm. And like, we keep pushing out, aren't you warm? Because you're wearing a thermal. It's like, it's in a pub, it's boiling. And I was like, oh, no, don't worry, I can just take him off. And he peels, like, opens up, it's only short suit, and just peels them down. <laughs> What the hell is this? <laughs> it's like a complete mimo. What, what the hell are I? It's just it's sleeves, aren't they? <laughs> what? Is it, I wouldn't want to wear full full hot because then my then my tummy would get warm. Were your exact <laughs> words? You didn't say yes. chest. You said tummy. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and basically, I don't know if this is a thing in America. I now need to find this out. But it's like um, you bought them because they're basketball sleeves, which uh-huh. I understand as a concept. I don't watch enough NBA, but I know basketball sleeves are a thing. Now, do people wear them casually? <laughs> no. The, no. The, only, the only time you'll see them will be in a more professional setting, maybe <laughs> yes. at retail to cover tattoos. Right. So there is some <laughs> practical ap- application. Okay. But, but yeah, other than that, no. You won't see True. that at the bar. <laughs> okay. Good, good to know. Good to That'd know. be proper for Kit Wanker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's an option. I have got I have now got the um the gold um you know the the match jackets they wear. Yeah. As they walk out. I've got that now. Oh, it's actually here. I, I bought it because it was in the, in the sale. So I've now got I've now got the gold jacket as well as gold jeans, which I wear at Christmas time twice. <laughs> um, the uh, well, what they so said they were kind of bright, bright yellowy, orangey trainers as well. Yeah, kind of they might Adidas one. So I, I could go Stuart, full old gold. Between me and you, though, we got asses kicked if me and you went to America. Though, I think. Not not for not for anything. Just we we'd look at so out of place for two completely separate reasons. It would make great con <laughs> great content, 
not going to get in the way of that. Nothing will ever get in the way of good content. But I think we, we'd be definite fishes out of water. Yeah. Now, do you, Stu, do you also go out in public wearing a full kit? I've, ne- I've never... I think the last time I bought the shorts and socks, I was probably... Uh, I was 16. So, okay. no. The, the, the only reason being that they don't have, have pockets. If they had pockets, then I would. But there's... The, the only the only other option is going FKW with a man bag, and even I can't justify that. Unless unless it was for charity, if it, we could do this, Rich, if if someone wants to say if someone wants to do something for charity, and I wear I go full kit wanker for a whole day in the pub with boots on as well and sleeves, and I'll get a man bag and I'll do it. Uh, the reason I ask is because it's a big joke on Twitter with uh, Nate, who from uh, <laughs> uh, the Soccer Neophytes uh, podcast, who you guys had on your podcast uh, mm-hmm. last week. Uh, the big joke was he he wore the Mexico looking uh, full kit and uh, last year, and they went on a run for several games. And so the joke was, you got to keep wearing it. And one was like a weekday, and he's like, I don't know, I have to have these <laughs> online meetings. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And it was like. Look, if you're a real fan, you'll do it. <laughs> so yeah. he did. He did. Get it then, underneath. Huh? Yeah. Get it and underneath. Then, it. <laughs> no, I Proud think he that. just had it on and just said, forget it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, then then they went on a losing streak. So he was like, OK, I got to. I guess. <laughs> but that was why I asked. We were always uh, joking about that online. So you'll even see us uh, on Twitter talking about you got to wear the full kit, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I think out of, out of everyone, I think I'm probably. I don't think anyone, many others do, do they? I, mean, no, I know Matt does sometimes. It's more a case of like casual stuff, whereas I think it's it's a big thing there, and it's a big. It, it seems like the thing that everyone does wearing sh- like football shirts and wearing colours, but it's actually not at all. I think that that might be when you actually finally get over it. That might that might be a big thing that shocks you a bit because people, yeah. This probably converse, this kind of team's call is probably more akin to what you'd actually see in a pub rather than people in colours. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think there's a whole thing about wearing colours and not wearing colours. I think when you when playing away and you go and follow your team away, you tend to wear colours. Mm. Uh, f- for I guess slightly dated reasons now around football violence, and that actually. If you're wearing a football shirt, you are there for the football and you are identifying yourself as someone who's there for the football a lot of the time. But I think if you go in, I think now that going to the game, it's not a 90, it's not 90 minutes. It is a, as Stu says, like you said, people start drinking at 8am in the morning for the Villa game. It's a bit extreme, but like for a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, you might leave the house at 12. Let's say you leave at 12, get some food, have some beers, you know. Go to the game, go you know, go out afterwards, have a couple of drinks, get some food. It's it's a full it's a full day thing. So would you really want to just be going out wearing a essentially an athletic a, a athletic stock that you'd wear to the gym <laughs> in, in any of a walk of life? That's what you're wearing in it. But um, so yeah, me, yes, not, yeah, you you would. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think some people can be a bit snooty about wearing a football top sometimes. Do you find do you think that's due? Yeah, I mean. Do, it's Easter around. I mean, it, it depends. I think a lot of it comes to, like we were talking earlier, I mean, how you kind of, we're 
kind of bred into this this world yeah. and it depends on what your dad was like and or your mom in my case um and obviously they all wore colors and, and mm. they wore shirts to games my uncle doesn't he not till recently he never he never did away either for the opposite reason that he didn't want to be identified um at away games i mean we don't see anyone anyway i've never been like we said on the fancast uh football factory special last week available now um we didn't we never got into them kind of areas so we never saw any mm-hmm. trouble anyway I never have so for us I mean I'll wear if I'm going to a match I'm going to a match I'll, yeah I'll do other things around that and I'll be in pubs and whatever if I'm going to on a night time and I know I'm going to stay out in like in the rock club in the Gifford or whatever then I'll I'll I might I mean I have done in the past took a spare shirt and got changed and then got up town and whatever but on the vast of it, 99.9% of the time, I'll wear some, I'll wear a wool shirt to a match. It's just because of who I am. Whereas Rich, it was born wearing oh, wearing half a sheep, and and he, he lives in wool, so that's what you'd expect him to wear. I, I I would wear wool top to a match. Um, I used to do the very classic, which I think Matt does, um, where I potentially wear a hoodie and put the wool top over the hoodie. Yeah, that's a, a classic move, I think. Well, guys, we've had a lot of fun today. Um, can you give our listeners one final reminder where they can get a hold of Wolves fan, uh, Fancast uh, content? Yep. So we are at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram um, for any of your Wolves laws and trolls, really. Um, we will. I think our next podcast will be a Villa preview. Uh, most likely be about Thursday, top of my head. Um, and if you fancy something different whilst we're on an international break, our last pod was a um, film review, uh, film cast for The Football Factory, um, which was a full film about football hooliganism, and it is pretty crap, but it will be a good <laughs> last pod. Uh, yeah, so it, it, I say it's quite hard to find it in America, um, but... If you ask you, Stewie might know the guy who knows the guy. Yeah, there's always a way. And that brings this week's show to an end. So thanks to Alex producing, Ron Firth in Canada, who helps with our social media content. We'll be back right at the start of next week to review that Villa game because it's a quick turnaround before a trip to Newcastle on the Friday. So until then, I'm going to ask Rich and Stu to join me as we bid farewell with proper black country accents with our own version of up the wolves up the mighty wolves get it right it's your podcast do it properly the mighty wolves wolves. come on me babbies come on me babbies babbies